Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Thanks for being a part of the Fearless Army. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and when you do, ask me a question in the comments. Each week, we'll compile your best questions and answer them on air. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I'm Jason Whitlock, your host. Thank you so much uh, for joining me. Happy Wednesday. Awesome show for you today. We're going to lighten things up and have a little fun uh, today. Not going to be a serious, although covering a serious topic, we're, we're just going to take a, a more lighthearted approach uh, to the news cycle and something that's in the news cycle as related to Aaron Rodgers and ESPN. Uh, so uh, Brett Favre is going to join us today on Wednesday. We'll talk a little Aaron Rodgers with Brett Favre. TJ Moe, hopefully, if I'm disciplined, <laughs> he's going to join me uh, today to help me talk about ESPN and what I break down. We're going to do some Tennessee Harmony with Anthony and Virgil, the Walker brothers. It's going to be a fantastic show. Uh, please, if you would oblige me, uh, if you're listening over Apple, hit that five-star review. It's important. Leave a review. Uh, if you're watching over YouTube, it's important. Hit the likes, hit the subscriptions. Leave a comment on today's show. We're trying to kill it for you in the new year, just as we killed it all last year, but we're hoping we've stepped things up, and we're hoping that you'll step things up on our behalf in your small little ways you can support us and help us continue to grow and gain traction. We're trying to provide you the best content possible anywhere on these internets or just to the content you get on cable TV or any place on the internet. We think we do it better uh, than everybody else. And today's gonna be another example of that. Need your support, want your support, need you to support our great sponsors like Samaritan Ministries. Even though we're into 2024, it's not too late to take a look at healthcare sharing with Samaritan Ministries. It's not insurance. It's a community of Christians paying one another's medical bills. And because it's not insurance, they're not bound by open enrollment. So you can join any time of the year, even today. Check out these reasons uh, Samaritan Ministries could be right for you and your family. Number one, you're part of a Christian community. When you have a medical need, Fellow Samaritan members send money directly to you to help you pay your medical bills, and you'll do the same for them, all while praying for and encouraging one another. Two, there are no networks, which puts you in control of your family's health care. You know what's best for them, so you choose the doctors and hospitals you go to, and they ha and have a say in the treatments that they receive. Three, you set your start date. Join today and start health care sharing with Samaritan Ministries right now or join today and choose what month you'd like to start. It's up to you. Whether it's a broken bone, cancer, pregnancy or other medical emergencies, you'll find comfort knowing you're connected to 80,000 Christian households across the nation who stand ready to care for one another spiritually and financially during a time it's needed most. 
and it could be more affordable than what you're paying now. Go to SamaritanMinistries.org slash fearless. That's SamaritanMinistries.org slash fearless. Join today. So <clears throat> uh, let's have a little fun today and <laughs> let's try to put uh, the Aaron Rodgers news in, in a fun analogy that I think uh, will be relatable to a lot of you. For those of you that, that perhaps didn't watch the television Game of Thrones, you'll need to lean into my explanation of trying to explain to you this analogy, but I think I can do a good job. So I wanna update you with the news of the day. Uh, and then we'll play some clips from how we got here. But uh, Pat McAfee, the ESPN personality, the Pat, host of the Pat McAfee Show, has been involved in a tug of war with ESPN over Aaron Rodgers and over uh, his show. He's called out Norby Williamson, a high-level ESPN executive. Uh, a lot of the media has jumped on uh, uh, Pat McAfee's back at the behest of people within ESPN that have a problem with Pat McAfee. Uh, and so today, uh, Pat McAfee announced uh, all over Twitter and on his show, and I'm reading from a New York Post story, even Pat McAfee has had enough of Aaron Rodgers' drama. The ESPN host announced at the start of the Pat McAfee show on Wednesday that the Jets quarterback has made his final appearance of the season. There will be a lot of people who are happy with that, myself included, to be honest with you, McAfee said. The way it ended, it got really loud. I am happy that he's not going to be in my mentions going forward, which is great news. Rodgers was originally scheduled to appear throughout the playoffs, the Post Andrew Marchand reported. Rodgers' fourth season as a guest on the show amid a feud with Jimmy Kimmel after suggesting the ABC late-night host could be on the Jeffrey Epstein associates list. Uh, Rogers' final appearance came on Tuesday. He spent most of it discussing the Kimmel feud and his controversial thoughts on COVID. That's according uh, to the New York Post today. Just came out today recently, and McAfee said that today. So I want to put this in a much bigger picture and in a fun picture that I'm hoping is relatable to you in the audience. Uh, the television show, the infamous HBO show, Game of Thrones, uh, they had a popular episode during, I believe, season six, maybe towards the end of season six, called the Battle of the Bastards. The Battle of the Bastards. And I think that's what we're looking at here as it relates to Aaron Rodgers and all the things going on at ESPN. There's a battle of the bastards. And, and this is Game of Thrones, people moving chess pieces around the board, trying to seize power or seeking revenge for lost power or seeking a better contract. And this not just involves Aaron Rodgers and Pat McAfee, Stephen A. Smith is a part of this. All these people that are in the news cycle and, and, and for, for me, I see what's going on with Aaron Rodgers once again connected to Cat Williams and what Cat Williams has been talking about. Because Aaron Rodgers, again, he's in a feud with Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel, Aaron Rodgers is alluding to it, anybody with a brain can see it, is that uh, Jimmy Kimmel is someone who's been installed to support 
whatever message the regime wants promoted. And so I am analogizing uh, Aaron Rodgers to the great uh, Game of Thrones character, perhaps the star of all stars, other than the, the little blonde white woman, Daenerys Targaryen, but on the other side, it was Jon Snow. And so I'm calling Aaron Rodgers Jon Snow of this Game of Thrones battle going on at ESPN, engulfing ESPN. Aaron Rodgers is the most heroic person in this battle, in my view, in my opinion. He stood up against the vaccine. Uh, he, he stood up against the NFL's policy. He's taken on the media and called them out for all their BS. He's been about, he and Kyrie Irving, but I would say even more so maybe Aaron Rodgers, have been about the most heroic, defiant athletes that we have in professional sports. Everybody else has just towed the line. Aaron Rodgers hasn't towed the line. He has challenged the establishment and stood up and taken all the slings and arrows that are generally directed at normal, mainstream, working class people. Aaron Rodgers, to me, is the hero of this Battle of the Bastards. He's called out Jimmy Kimmel. I'm going to play you this clip. This is from yesterday. He, he, him explaining this whole controversy around this insinuation that uh, Aaron Rodgers accused Jimmy Kimmel of being a pedophile. He did not do that. But let's listen to Aaron Rodgers' explanation yesterday on the Pat McAfee show. A lot of people, and I'm quoting myself here, a lot of people, including Jimmy Kimmel, are really hoping that doesn't come out. End quote. That's what I said. That's the entire quote. Okay. I was referring to the fact that if there is a list, which again, this hasn't come out yet. This was just a deposition, right? And there are names on it. Then that would be the second time that a soft brain junior college student, you know, wacko, anti-vax, anti-Semite, purveyor, spreader of misinformation, conspiracy theorist, MAGA, whatever other things have been said by him and other people in the media would be right twice. Now, let me just say that that, that is the truth, number one. Number two, I totally understand how serious an allegation of pedophilia would be. So for him to be upset about that, I get it. Did you watch the quote? Because that's exactly what I said. Verbatim what I said on the show. Okay, I'm not stupid enough, even though you think I'm an idiot, and you made a lot of comments about my intelligence. But I'm not stupid enough to accuse you of that with absolutely zero evidence, uh, concrete evidence, it, that's ridiculous. So I'm glad, and I think we can agree on something, is that uh, one, those crimes are heinous, and two, I'm, I'm glad you're on the list because those, those who are on the list, and this is what I think we can agree on, that at minimum, there should be an inquiry into uh, their involvement, especially if they went to the island, and at maximum, there should be uh, an investigation into it. So. I hope that you'll give the same type of energy to these heinous crimes when they do come out and the names do come out and, and there is an inquiry into it that you gave to uh, other subjects that I actually mentioned 
that you spent a lot of time working on. So. All right. So there's my Jon Snow, Aaron Rodgers, going directly at Jimmy Kimmel and going directly at the people that have criticized him for going at Jimmy Kimmel and, and the people that have turned this into some sort of major, major controversy. How dare Aaron Rodgers crack some joke on Jimmy Kimmel and all this is a bridge too far. And there's a guy at the New York Post that covers the media uh, named Andrew Marchand. I know Andrew a bit. He, I think he used to work at ESPN. Now he's uh, over at the New York Post covering the media. And, and I want you all to understand, I want to take you a little bit behind the scenes on how the media works and how they play their little Game of Thrones, th that particularly at ESPN, they have these uh, people in the media who basically rely on executives at ESPN for information to, to, so, so that they can look like, hey, I'm an insider uh, at, at, uh, on what's going on in sports media. I get all my information fed to me by a handful of executives uh, at ESPN. For a long time, it used to be during the John Skipper era and a guy named John Walsh that was John Skipper's basic number two, uh, there was a guy named James Andrew Miller who got fed all the information when John Skipper was the CEO of, of ESPN. And James Andrew Miller wrote books about ESPN. I think he's written either two books or at least one. Uh, these huge, you know, where he's quoting everybody. They're huge tombs, quoting everybody connected to ESPN about the history of ESPN. And, but James Andrew Miller's job was to carry water for uh, John Skipper and put out his narrative. And so everybody leaned into James Andrew Miller for information. John Skipper, obviously cocaine, got one out of ESPN. Jimmy Pataro is now on top. Jimmy Pataro, I can't say for certain, plays this media game, but I think his underlings do. Andrew Marchand is now the new insider for ESPN executives to float information and their point of view and their perspective out about what's going on at ESPN. Pat McAfee, has said that Norby Williamson is basically Andrew Marchand and the media's voice for ESPN and uh, that Andrew Marchand puts out all this pro-Norby Williamson narrative and whatever perspective uh, ESPN is looking to push. Andrew Marchand yesterday wrote a story. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has turned Pat, the Pat McAfee show into an $85 million ESPN disaster. Uh, Andrew Marchand writes, the Pat McAfee show on ESPN is a disaster. ESPN has spent years trying to disassociate itself from purely political and non-sports topics. There were memos and suspensions all trying to keep the focus on sports. The network even updated its company mantra, blah, blah, blah. Then he says on Tuesday, while the NFL world was shocked by the firing of Titans coach Mike Rabel, ESPN had Aaron Rodgers on the air for an hour going over his feud with Jimmy Kimmel, reviewing his feelings on Dr. Anthony Foucher and COVID-19, criticizing the ESPN executive in charge of the McAfee show, mentioning the ESPN executive whom uh, McAfee called a rat and swearing, yeah, it's probably a good thing that ESPN retired the worldwide leader in sports moniker. In actuality, McAfee is supposed to serve younger sports fans. He was brought in because blah, blah, blah. 
This is Andrew Marchand putting out his, the point of view that Norby and whoever else in charge at ESPN, that Aaron Rodgers is destroying ESPN and uh, Pat McAfee is destroying ESPN. And, and so what you're seeing today, this story comes out yesterday, and what you just saw was Pat McAfee fold. Pat McAfee just folded up. And that's why, uh, you know, and Pat McAfee is this. And again, I somewhat like Pat McAfee and what he represents. But he's a pretend tough guy. Whenever there's turbulence, Pat McAfee is going to fold. He, he's, he's a pretend tough guy, a pretend hero. I'm calling him the Kingslayer. You guys remember the Kingslayer from Game of Thrones, Jamie Lannister. He was, you know, somewhat, is that just, yeah, he was somewhat the hero of, of to, to some degree. He was better than his sister, Cersei, but you got to remember, Jamie Lannister, apologize to my Christian audience, but this is just facts if you watch the show, he was sleeping with his sister in an incestuous relationship. He fathered two kids with his sister. No matter how much you liked Kingslayer, you could never get it out of your mind like, man, this dude is sick. He's banging his sister. He's not to be fully trusted. And yes, you have some sympathy for him. Yes, he's kind of likable. Uh, yes, he supports his little brother. But at the end of the day, not really to be trusted. That's who Pat McAfee is. They, they, Pat McAfee, when there's turbulence, oh my God, uh, sports fans don't like what I'm doing on game day. I may quit. Let me make an announcement that I may quit game day. And if people don't like me, blah, blah, blah. Fake, pretend, tough guy. Going gets tough, Pat McAfee closes up shop. He just did it to Aaron Rodgers, who put his show, and, and maybe he did it with Aaron Rodgers' permission. I don't know. They seem pretty tight, and maybe Aaron Rodgers, but this whole thing about you know, myself included, it got loud around me, and I didn't want to be in this conversation. He's throwing, in my view, he's throwing uh, Aaron Rodgers under the bus to protect his own skin so that he doesn't have to deal with the backlash and the turbulence. This is what American men and men all over the planet are doing. They're folding when the going gets tough. That's Pat McAfee, fake tough guy. Uh, so now I want to show you Jimmy Kimmel, who's also an ABC, a Disney employee, has his, you know, his nightly talk show. And Jimmy Kimmel is certainly uh, a fake tough guy and just a rat. But I want to show you uh, Jimmy Kimmel, who I'm calling Theon Greyjoy. And the reason I'm calling him Theon Greyjoy, if you, if you didn't watch the show or if you did watch the show, Theon Greyjoy was raised by the Stark family. Ned Stark, the heroic family of Game of Thrones. Theon Greyjoy was raised by them. He eventually sold them out and tried to take over Winterfell and, and just, he's a turncoat. He, he, he's a fraud. 
He, he accepted all the kindness, support of, of the Stark family and then turned on them and sold them out. That's Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel used to be with The Man Show. Jimmy Kimmel made his bones coming up in the world as politically incorrect, doing manly, politically incorrect things on television and in the media to become a superstar celebrity. And now he's one of the wokest, most feminized men on TV. And he has gone after uh, Aaron Rodgers repeatedly but I want to show you, I believe this is his Monday monologue attacking, or just an excerpt of his Monday monologue attacking Aaron Rodgers. Did you hear this story about me and Aaron Rodgers, the former quarterback for the Packers? All right, so uh, what happened is he's a Jets quarterback now. He went on a show on ESPN, the Pat McAfee show, and out of the blue insinuated that I was nervous because the Jeffrey Epstein list was coming out. He said I was hoping it wouldn't, and that he was going to pop a bottle of something to celebrate when he did. And then it did come out, and of course my name wasn't on it, and isn't on it, and won't ever be on. I don't know Jeffrey Epstein. I've never met Jeffrey Epstein. I'm not on a list. I was not on a plane or an island or anything ever, and I suggested that if Aaron wanted to make false and very damaging statements like that, that we should do it in court so he could share his proof with like a judge. Because, you know, when you hear a guy who won a Super Bowl and did the, all the State Farm commercials say something like this, a lot of people believe it. A lot of delusional people honestly believe I am meeting up with Tom Hanks and Oprah at Shakey's once a week to eat pizza and drink the blood of children. But here's the thing. I spent years doing sports. I've seen guys like him before. Aaron Rodgers has a very high opinion of himself. Because he had success on the football field, he believes himself to be an extraordinary being. He genuinely thinks that because God gave him the ability to throw a ball, he's smarter than everyone else. The idea that his brain is just average is unfathomable to him. We learned during COVID, somehow he knows more about science than scientists. A guy who went to community college then got into Cal on a football scholarship and didn't graduate. Someone who never spent a minute studying the human body is an expert in the field of immunology. He just put on a, he put on a magic helmet and he, that G made him a genius. It's, Aaron got two A's on his report card. They were both in the word Aaron, okay? So that's Jimmy Kimmel attacking Aaron Rodgers. I, I read to you a little bit of uh, Andrew Marchand's story about this whole feud. Andrew Marchand's story leaves out fundamental facts about what's really driving the, the Kimmel-Aaron Rodgers feud, the, the feud between Theon Greyjoy and Jon Snow. He, he, he leaves out key facts. And, and the, the biggest key fact is uh, he insinuates that Aaron Rodgers, one, you know, accused Jimmy Kimmel of being a pedophile and, and kind of pretends like it came from out of nowhere. And so the only place where you can get the truth is in alternative media. Corporate media is going to promote the lie. There's a guy named Ethan Strauss that has a subset called House of Strauss or has his own website. Ethan Strauss is tremendous. Used to cover the NBA for ESPN. Uh, he now covers a, a bunch of stuff. He's written the basic facts about what went on uh, and what provoked this whole Kimmel, uh, 
Aaron Rodgers feud. I want to read from his Substack. Anyway, the basic sequence is as follows. Jimmy Kimmel mocks Aaron Rodgers on the Jimmy Kimmel Live for, uh, for not taking the COVID vaccine. Step two, Aaron Rodgers' buddy, uh, David Bakhtiari, posts fake inclusion of Kimmel's name on the Epstein list. Three, Rodgers on uh, the Pat McAfee show expresses an interest in whose Epstein's clients were. Jimmy Kimmel mocks Aaron Rodgers on the Jimmy Kimmel Live show for wanting to know the names on the Epstein list invoking concussion protocol. Aaron Rodgers says on the talking uh, on the Pat McAfee show that Kimmel is hoping the list doesn't come out. Here's Aaron Rodgers exact quote. There's a lot of people, including Jimmy Kimmel, that are really hoping that list doesn't come out. He's not accusing Kimmel of being a pedophile. He's accusing Kimmel of not wanting the list to come out. Based on all the stupid context I just shared, this is according to Ethan Strauss, you can see why, A, Rogers isn't technically saying that Kimmel's is on the list, but also, B, why Kimmel might be pissed off that Rogers is, talk, is, is talking up the list. You can say that Rogers is being coy here and that he's insinuated that Kimmel is a pedo, but Kimmel went right after Rogers' interest in the information getting out. For Rogers then to suggest that Kimmel doesn't want the Epstein list out seems... Pretty fair game. Actually, not even fair game, but a logical deduction. This is the facts that you can't get from corporate media. This whole, and so Jimmy Kimmel has cleverly done what all these installed, highly trained, highly controlled plants do. They move the conversation. They want you to have this conversation that says, Aaron Rodgers called me a pedo. No, Aaron Rodgers didn't do that. But that makes you a victim. That draws everybody to your side. That distorts the conversation. That justifies Andrew Marchand and other people in the media framing the dispute inaccurately. When I'm telling you why I'm going after Stephen A. Smith, why Cat Williams went after uh, Kevin Hart, why Aaron Rodgers is going after Jimmy Kimmel, is because the people that they give these platforms to, they lie at every turn. They misinform at every turn. Aaron Rodgers was right about the COVID vaccine and the corporate media and, and, and their puppet masters will not let leave it alone. They're trying to re-argue. Rather than people just saying, you know what, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers was right. Kyrie Irving was right. Man, we shouldn't have taken this vaccine. We should have been more hesitant. Instead of doing that, let's then, oh, Aaron Rodgers has called Jimmy Kimmel a pedophile. See how this works? It's no different than yesterday. I'm explaining to you the fraudulence found in Stephen A's memoir. What does Stephen A go on TV and do? Oh, Molly, there's some fat bastard out here saying I didn't write this book. He's moved the conversation. No, the, what I've been insinuating is like this book is filled with fabrications, exaggerations, and outright lies. Let's talk about that. Stephen A. Want, nope, let's move the conversation. He's saying I didn't write the book and I wrote the book. 
very clever. It's a tactic that the mis, mis the misinformation people, the people install, they're trained. They know are they been coached. They know exactly how to move the conversation to, to ground that had not been covered or conversation that that the other person hasn't even started, really, in a conversation where they can play the victim. Oh, Aaron Rodgers called me a pedo. Oh, Jason Whitlock said I didn't write my book. I'm the victim here. It's a distraction tactic. Now, I want to move on to, <laughs> I want to bring Steve, I've already brought Stephen A into this conversation, but I, I want to tell you, uh, I want to show you how, and again, this didn't happen on ESPN's platform, but this is Stephen A. Smith on his Stephen A. Smith podcast, and I, I referenced this uh, yesterday about, like, Stephen A. is there to cover certain talking points that they want covered. And yesterday I was talking how he, let me tell black people why they need to be for the COVID vaccine. We're not taking the experimental medical trial fast enough. Let me tell you why. He's come back here in this past six, seven months on his own podcast, and he's defending, arguing for, criticizing uh, the governor of Texas because he's not pro-illegal immigration, or he's trashing uh, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, for putting policies into place that try to limit illegal immigration. Watch Stephen A. Smith do what the regime wants him to do. Greg Abbott, you ever heard of him? He's the governor for the state of Texas. On Monday, that governor, Governor Abbott, signed a bill into law that will allow the police to arrest migrants who enter the U.S. illegally. This law, which takes effect in March, allows any Texas law enforcement officer to arrest people who are suspected of entering the country illegally. This is bad, ladies and gentlemen. And before I go a step further, there's an individual by the name of Krish, K-R-I-S-H, Omara Vignaraja, V-I-G-N-A-R-A-J-A-H. That person is the CEO of Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Service, says, quote, by criminalizing the very act of seeking refuge, Texas is turning its back on the values of compassion and due process that make our nation the world's beacon of humanitarian leadership. That is one way to put it. There are various other ways to put it. This is a disgrace. It's inhumane. And it opens the floodgate to further divide our nation because when you have law enforcement that literally can arrest people over a suspicion, think about that for a second. People can be arrested who are suspected of entering the country illegally. Do you realize that that means a law enforcement official can walk up to somebody, all right, they look Hispanic. Okay, they, 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 their English is broken. They don't speak fluid English. So that could be a cause for me to arrest them. Let them deal with the problems later. 
Ladies and gentlemen, to get out of jail, bail costs money. It ain't free. To hire a lawyer, that costs money. It ain't free. You have essentially opened up an avenue to incarcerate people for no cause whatsoever other than a particular law enforcement official's suspicion. That's why I call Stephen A. Smith Grey Worm. If you watch Game of Thrones, Grey Worm led the unsullied. It was the only role that Game of Thrones carved out primarily for black people. Grey Worm was the head of a group of black eunuchs. Balls cut off. Eunuchs. The unsullied. They worked at the behest of a little white liberal woman, Daenerys Targaryen, protecting her. They were the unsullied, the, the, the great fighting force protecting the little white liberal woman, uh, Khaleesi, I think, uh, is what they called her. That's Stephen A. Smith. He's there to protect liberals. And he pretends like, Oh, I'm friends with Sean Hannity. I'm friends with these conservatives. I'm friends with this person and that person. But really, my job is to protect and promote whatever the regime tells me to protect and promote. I got to push this vaccine on you. I got to push illegal immigration on you. The unsullied, gray worm. That's Stephen A. Smith. Uh, finally, I'm not going to get to, I thought I was going to get to Jamel Hill. I don't have time. I want to show you a clip from uh, Dan Levitard. And uh, Dan Levitard is uh, jumped into this uh, Pat McAfee conversation. And I'm going to tell you why. Uh, I'm calling Dan Levitard Littlefinger. Uh, Littlefinger, central to Game of Thrones, very sneaky guy, moved pieces around the chessboard very deceptively. Didn't, people thought they could trust him, knew they couldn't trust him. Sneakiest guy in Game of Thrones. Let's watch uh, Dan Lebatard. Uh, he's being, I think this is yesterday, he's criticizing um, Jimmy Kimmel. And this is like, whoa, look, Dan Lebatard, he's broke from the script. Listen to him criticize Jimmy Kimmel. Play the clip. One of the things, we were just talking about this a second ago because I was asking for the Jimmy Kimmel clips from last night, which made me side with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I mean, you got seven minutes, you got seven minutes with ten writers and you got days to do it. It's gotta be not education shaming. Like it's gotta be banger after banger. You got a team of writers. You're at the top of Disney. You're fighting with someone who's now paid like you, not Aaron Rodgers. He's paid better than you. Pat McAfee, you're fighting in-house. That's got to be killer. Like that's got, Or does it have to be vetted by lawyers and then can't be killer? I mean, I, I guess there are certain... Um, I, when I was watching that, Dan, I was, I was wondering, did this have trouble going through legal and, and, and internal review? Because it, I found myself getting mad as I watched it because it was on the clip came out during the national championship game and so it was eight minutes of not a single laugh and i got to imagine it got diluted somehow he's been off for several weeks how is that the best shot well this is one of the things that i wanted to say about that and we don't want to play it because it i didn't think it was funny and i thought it was boring and i don't want to eat up eight minutes of show 
just playing this. But what I did find interesting about the reaction is I did see political leanings just appear there all of a sudden with this is a hysterical takedown just because it's a takedown. And I thought to myself as I was watching, you realize that the people who don't like Kimmel to begin with or side with Aaron Rodgers or are just different politically entirely on this, they're looking at this and saying this is not funny in any way. Kimmel's not funny. That's what they're saying as they watch this because they're skewed. But I wanted that to be funny. I was rooting for that to be funny. This is classic Littlefinger. This is, look how objective I am. I was rooting for Jimmy Kimmel, but I got to say he failed here. And this this is a play uh, for some credibility, some objectivity. I haven't completely sold out to the regime. Uh, look, I'm taking uh, Pat McAfee and Aaron, I'm taking Aaron Rodgers' side in this dispute. No, what's really going on here, Littlefinger, is anybody with a brain can see like, oh boy, this uh, Pat McAfee thing may spin out of control and he might leave ESPN. And if he does leave ESPN, after he basically left FanDuel, I believe he had to deal with FanDuel or DraftKings, I can't remember which one, but he left the gambling deal to go to ESPN because he said he didn't want to be bogged down handling all of the business related to being an independent and being in partnership with a gambling company. And so guess who is raising his hand and saying, Hey, uh, McAfee, uh, me and John Skipper have started Metal Arc Media. And, you know, my show does well in the podcast world, but we're struggling on YouTube. We haven't been able to find any secondary, third-level talent that can carry a show. Every th- person from Katie Nolan to Pablo Torre, none of these guys are rating or are making an impact. McAfee, Metal Arc Media and John Skipper, who used to be the CEO of ESPN, we can put together a huge deal that will give you your autonomy and and you can be a part of our group. And, and, you know, John Skipper and his people will take care of the business for you. Come join us here over at Metal Arc Media. That's what Dan Levitar is doing. It's a brilliant little finger type move. Let me appear to be objective. Let me appear to be siding with Aaron Rodgers. Let me appear to be defending Pat McAfee. But what I really want to do is get into business with Pat McAfee because, my God, are you looking at these numbers he's producing over YouTube? I I looked at one point yesterday, I think they had 80,000 live concurrents watching Aaron Rodgers and Pat McAfee talk. And that's why it's laughable for people to be writing about what a disaster the Pat McAfee show is. It's highly relevant over the internet and over YouTube. He's crushing it. People are into his show. Is it a great partner to come on right after Stephen A. Smith's first take show? No. Stephen A. Smith's show uh, panders to the Black Lives Matter crowd and over indexes with black male viewers that are into the woke mindset and are into racial idolatry. And so 
Stephen A's audience being handed off to Pat McAfee's white bro show, that's not a great combination. It, it's not working well on cable TV, but as an internet YouTube show, it's crushing it. And it is the future of this whole thing because people are leaving cable TV. So Dan Levitard, little finger steps up and raises his head and says, hey bro, bring that bro show over here and help Metal Arc Media and John Skipper become more relevant. Hats off to Levitard, it's sneaky play. But I, I'm not falling for this, yeah, I'm supporting Aaron Rodgers here in any way. I'm, I'm not falling, you're not being objective. You're sending out smoke signals to Pat McAfee that we can put a deal together over here for you and I could finally have something over here because Levitar Show does well as an audio podcast. It does not do well visually, does not do all that well on, on YouTube. Again, uh, yeah, I'm not knocking the hustle. I'm just explaining the hustle. They'd like to get in bed with Pat McAfee and, and who can blame him? Guy's got a show that's going gangbusters. But just remember who Pat McAfee is. He's Kingslayer. He's not to be trusted. Involved in an incestuous relationship with his sister throughout the entire show. You can like him all you want. You can be sympathetic. But at the end of the day, look what Pat McAfee just did to Aaron Rodgers. They got into a scrap. It got too, it got too heated for Pat McAfee. He's not comfortable. He doesn't have that dragon blood in him. See, Jon Snow has dragon blood. Aaron Rodgers has dragon blood. Fire, heat doesn't destroy him. Yeah, that's for those of you that have watched Game of Thrones. Jon Snow, Daenerys Targaryen, they got that dragon blood. That fire from a dragon doesn't bother them. Pat McAfee's not built for that heat. Aaron Rodgers is. So I like Aaron Rodgers. Hats off to him. Uh, <laughs> we're going to bring on TJ Moe next, see what he thinks of my analogy and have a bit more of a serious discussion about it. But first, I want to tell you guys about prize picks. Are you testing your skills on prize picks this football season? It's the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. My mom sent me some of her prize picks she's selecting during this NFL playoff weekend. Uh, she's got uh, Cleveland tight end David Njoko uh, catching more than 55 and a half receiving yards against Houston. Uh, she loves Joe Flacco. Throwing for more than 275 and a half yards against Houston. And she likes Detroit Lions running back David, uh, David Montgomery. Go back before I get the, let me get those stats. Oh, more than 55 and a half rushing yards versus the Rams. Go to prizepicks.com slash fearless. Use the promo code fearless for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash fearless. Use the code fearless. Prizepicks, Lady Fantasy Sports made easy. Uh, T.J. Mo, next. Caden Robertson, previously on Fearless. It all just makes me from afar. It's like this guy's 
pretending to be this great Christian who's into discipling young people and he's here just to treat them as men. And the more stories I hear, I just go, that sounds like a scam and a hustle. I'm not the judge. I can't judge Dion's heart. I can't do that. But I take refuge in the fact that, uh, you know, the, the, who is the judge is perfect. And, he, you know, he'll make the right decision in that. And so, you know, that's what I'll say on that is I'm not the judge. I'm not the person to judge Dion's heart with his faith. I want to hear from the Show Me Kid, T.J. Moe, about this whole Aaron Rodgers situation. I know T.J. is a little bit familiar with Game of Thrones, if not all the way familiar. Uh, T.J., welcome back to the show. Happy New Year. Hope you're feeling better. Uh, your thoughts on my analogy that in all of this Battle of the Bastards, Game of Thrones maneuvering behind the scenes at ESPN, uh, Aaron Rodgers He's my Jon Snow. He's the most heroic figure in all of this. Well, I think that's certainly true. And the, in fact, there's only two people. I think you nailed most of them. I might give uh, Dan Lebetard, I might make him Robert Baratheon, because at one point he was probably useful and a good warrior in this business. And now he's just kind of fat and useless. And so that's a, that is my view on Robert Brathman just waiting to be slaughtered. Uh, the other was I actually gave the suggestion. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> uh, I gave the suggestion for Theon Greyjoy for Jimmy Kimmel. And I do think it fits. The only other one that could fit him is is uh, King Joffrey, who is just annoying. And the only time you hear from him, he's squealing. And you're ready for him to, I prefer he doesn't die, but at least get off the air. We were waiting for Joffrey to die. I'd, I'd prefer to never hear from Kimmel again. So that's the only two substitutions I might make. Oh, I, 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 I like that a lot. I didn't get to Jamel Hill, uh, Olena Tyrell, an old woman who was, you know, just tired and just sticking her nose in things. She had no business uh, sticking her nose, <laughs> her nose in because I, I think Jamel was on CNN or something saying anytime you turn on the Pat McAfee show, it's it's uh, it's like watching Newsmax. And. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just like, have you been watching ESPN? Everything on ESPN has some sort of unstated or subtle political bent. You think all the racial talk and everybody's racist, that's straight Black Lives Matter. You're good with that. But uh, anyway, what do you think about uh, Pat McAfee folding here like a cheap suit, uh, like a cheap lawn chair? I, I, I think it's a bad look for him. Uh, kicking Aaron Rodgers to the curb. Yeah, I got too hot for him. And that's frustrating because people thought earlier this week when he called it, what's his name, Norby, that that could have yeah. been the end of it. And I think it was proven that it's totally possible that Pat McAfee is bigger than ESPN at this point and that they need him in this digital world. And so I, I think this was his call. I think it was uh, Richard Deitch who said, hey, this this was Pat McAfee who decided this. Nobody could make him do anything. He's got full editorial control. And so for a guy, I mean, he's used Aaron Rodgers to help make his show relevant as it was getting off the ground, and now he's kicking him to the curb as soon as it gets a little bit too hot. I don't like it. 
I think there's very few people in all of media that actually do have full control of their show, and he's one of them, and he gets to use the big platform. Instead of flipping the double bird, which is his brand, he folded. And then he said, you know, that's just not us. Let's just talk sports. And for a guy that has made a living being controversial, I don't like let's go back to talking just sports guy. I'm not sure what gun they put to his head to get him to fold this way, but it is a surprising fold. And and I'm I'm sure maybe part maybe Aaron Rodgers volunteered like, hey man, I, I'll 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 back down and get you out of this hot water. But but this is now twice where the college game day situation where he there was some poll and people said they didn't like him and he, you know he clearly got uncomfortable and it, these guys all want to be beloved they 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 just can't take the heat and so and I'm sure maybe there were some sponsors that said man this guy's talking about Anthony Fauci and all these guys and maybe it's just what he needed to do in this moment, and he'll circle back to Aaron Rodgers. But I'm just saying, this is a weak, weak look because the, the, the Pat McAfee show was successful. Aaron Rodgers made, made it super successful, put him in position to get that $85 million contract from ESPN, and, and, and now, you cut all oh, his opinions are too controversial. And, I, you know, I just want to get back to talking sports. It's a weak look to me. Yeah. And look, I, I don't know how many current players would ever come out and talk the way that Aaron Rodgers is. But if you're not going to stand by your guy, good luck getting the next guy that would be willing to do that. Right. There's just not that many guys who would be one. There's just not. We've talked about this. There's not very many guys who would be that interesting who are currently playing be worth having on in the first place. But for the next guy that would, you'd like to be the guy say, Hey, I can go on McAfee's show and he'll stand by me. And I know it even in the eyes of ESPN in the face of sponsors, doesn't matter. He'll stand there. And I think you've kind of proven that you won't because look, there's some NFL season left. I think it would have been easy to let this play out and say, look, came to a natural ending. We got four or five weeks left of this and then it's over. And that's all you had to, weather the storm and instead got a little bit too hot. Jimmy Kimmel started talking lawsuit and you bounced. How come when the lawsuits about you, Pat McAfee and, and uh, Brett Favre, you'll flip everybody the double bird and you'll double down and talk about everything. But somebody flips it to Aaron Rodgers. Suddenly it's too hot for you to handle. And he's off the show. Dude, they had 80,000 or more concurrence watching his YouTube show yesterday. And so this whole complaint that somehow they weren't talking about what was interesting and, oh my God, <laughs> they didn't talk about Mike Vrabel getting fired. They could have been, everybody was talking about Vrabel getting fired. Nah, everybody was talking about Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Kimmel. That's yes. what's interesting and fascinating. There's a feud between mega, mega icons and personalities and influencers that's what everybody was talking about and interested in. And, and, and you know, you got Andrew March in and people pretending like, oh, can you, the conversation they passed up about Mike Vrabel. Uh, an NFL <laughs> coach gets fired after six years and that sets the world. An NFL coach who's never won a Super Bowl? Bill Belichick didn't get fired. O.J. Simpson wasn't driving around in a white Bronco. This wasn't a stop the presses moment that, that – that, 
I go back to this is what Cat Williams is talking about, man. All these guys are controlled at some point, and and now we've reached the point where, okay, we know what Pat McAfee's funny bone is. All we got to do is gin up enough Twitter controversy, and he'll fold. I would, if Aaron Rodgers, if you happen to see this, let's cut this out and make sure Aaron Rodgers sees it. I don't fold. Love to have you on this show. We'll never fold. You can talk about whatever you want. And I know I'm probably too controversial for you, uh, but you're not too controversial for me. Anyway, go ahead, TJ. No, I just, this. Pat McAfee and his four-minute explanation of, you know, we're, we really don't like to be in controversy here. We want to talk about sports. This dude lives in controversy. He's uncomfortable if there's not controversy. And everybody knows that. That is his brand. He's the guy that stands there. And if there's not something feeling a little bit off and weird and people aren't talking about him, then he does something to make that happen. So I just, it's, it seems fake. Uh, it seems it, I'm I'm actually stunned by it after two years of what we've seen. I mean, we've he's been calling Travis Kelsey, Mr. Pfizer all year. He's been taking pot shots at everybody. But this saying Jimmy Kimmel was not going to be one of the guys who was happy. The list came out. That is a is a um, you cross the line with that. I, I'm surprised by it. I really am. Uh, TJ, uh, thank you so much. Appreciate it. I got to keep it moving. We're going to hear from Brett Farr. <laughs> Get hit. I want to talk to someone that actually knows Aaron Rodgers. We'll hear from Brett Favre uh, next. But uh, before I go, I want to talk to you guys about <laughs> our favorite sponsor, Preborn. Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saw over 58,000 babies saved. Thank you to all who made this possible. Let's celebrate these precious babies. When Antoinette found out she was pregnant, she was in a bad place. She didn't know how she could raise her child on her own. She searched for an abortion clinic and God led her to preborn one of our clinics where she met her baby on ultrasound. When she saw her baby and heard the heartbeat, she broke down crying and the nurse reminded her that babies are a blessing from God. She chose life. Her daughter's name is treasure because she is a gift from God. Daisy and her husband had decided they never wanted kids. When she found out she was pregnant, she immediately thought about abortion. But after she and her husband met her baby on ultrasound and heard the heartbeat, their hearts melted and they chose life. Her baby, Jeffrey, is healthy and beautiful. Daisy and her husband can't even imagine life without him. Each of these babies are truly miraculous and every day preborn celebrates 200 miracles. $28 a month can be the difference between life and death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection that doubles a baby's chance at life. Let's join together and help mothers choose life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. Or go to preborn.com slash fearless. That's preborn.com slash fearless. All right, uh, Brett Favre, the fun slinger, next. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Caden Robertson, previously on Fearless. There's a sign on the door that says what? Um, like, do not step on this. He's got like a red carpet outside of his door and like, don't step on this mat unless your shoes are off and don't come in unless invited or something like that. He has a, a, a doormat in front of his floor that says, did I say you could come in? <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> is is it's a doormat? I just want to be clear. Caden's calling it a red carpet. It was red. I I think it was a little different in the spring than the current setup is. Uh, currently, he has a doormat in front of his office that says, "Did I say you could come in?" Time to bring in one of the greatest football players of all time and a guy that this week uh, we're going to identify as someone who uh, knows Aaron Rodgers. Like, wow. <laughs> one of the greatest football players of all time this week is just a guy that knows Aaron Rodgers because, man, Aaron Rodgers is in the middle of a controversy or storm a feud with Jimmy Kimmel Aaron Rodgers has turned into the most interesting man in the world I, I didn't have him on my bingo card as being someone that would become a hero of mine uh, and so I want to check with one of his old teammates Brett Favre uh, to see if maybe there were seeds or there were indications that uh, Aaron Rodgers had this kind of a backbone years and years ago Brett, uh, welcome back to the show. Happy New Year. Uh, Same to, to you. Have you. Good to see you. Uh, yeah, Aaron, my old buddy is uh, stirring the pot, isn't he? <laughs> he certainly is uh, stirring the pot. And I'm, I'm what? Are you surprised? Go, go all the way back to the first time you met Aaron Rodgers in those early years. Are, are you surprised this is where we've landed with Aaron? At this point, no. Uh, during the time that we spent together, had he shown signs of that, um, I didn't see him. Um, you know, what I did see was a, a young kid who was super competitive and uh, was, in, in my observation, I would say was, was always observant. Uh, very smart, looking for tricks to the trade, you know, those type of things. I never, I never sensed anything political or uh, outspoken uh, from him then. He just, he did what he was supposed to do, and uh, we got along great, and uh, I moved on, and then he took over and you know, I mean, I think Aaron is one of the smartest people. Now, I'm, you know, you and I, Jason, there's people a lot smarter than us, but we also yes. know people who are who are super smart that have zero sense, if you know what I mean. Uh, can't tie their shoes and chew bubble gum at the same time. Aaron is 
maybe the smartest football IQ that I've, I've played with, if not right up there with the, the, the top ones. And off the field, he's extremely bright. Little, little different, maybe a lot different. But I didn't sense, uh, I really didn't sense anything like we're seeing or hearing now from me. And so I absolutely love what we're seeing from him now. Uh, and, and, and I want to put you in position to answer this question because I don't want anybody to think in any, I got no interest in disparaging Aaron Rodgers, and I'm sure you don't either. But I do want you to clarify a little different because there are some quirks about him that, again, I don't pretend to understand. I don't even pretend to criticize, but, you know, he's got some issues with his family, uh, you know, and, and that would be one of the indications like, man, this guy stood his ground with the people closest to him. We shouldn't be surprised that he's standing his ground with some Hollywood celebrity who wants to pick on him. But I, I want, when you say a little bit different, what do, you, what do you mean when you say that about Aaron? Well, like you said, I certainly don't want to come across as, uh, as, as beating him up. And, and I'm, I'm, nothing that I have to say is the only negative I would say about Aaron, and it's sort of funny. I always gave him a lot of grief after I left. I said, well, you, your phone must be broke. And he would say, why is that? I'm like, you never return messages. He is the absolute worst at returning messages. You know, I congratulate him when he got traded to the Jets. I wished him, you know, speedy recovery and all that after he got hurt. Um, then when all this stuff, uh, he started stirring the pot, I just said, hey, hang in there I'm with you. Never returns a message. Uh, and so when he finally does, it's like long lost friend. Hey, buddy, how you doing? You know, I and talk. Oh, your phone works. You got a new phone. Uh, that's that's one quirky thing about him. I think the other thing is, uh, and this is just a presumption that uh, he socially and I. Why, I don't know. I'm assuming that he's a lot smarter than most people and just doesn't fit in as much as the normal person. And that is socially, he he seems to be a little awkward uh, around people. Uh, and I'm not saying that negatively. I'm saying that he may go, I got zero in common with any of these people. Uh, and I just don't get what they're talking about. You know, I, I don't know, but... That's one of those things. Yeah, his family, I agree with you. If he's w willing to, you know, to put the hand up with the family, and I don't know the, the, the specifics of that. It's none of my business. But I only, well, only thing I know is what I've heard, and that is that he's drove a wedge between he and his family. So, yeah, if, if family is not off limits, Certainly no one else is off limits. And I think Aaron has always been true to himself. And uh, I'm like you. I, I like the fact that he's standing up against uh, certain people or certain uh, walks of our life presently. Um, like, for example, the vaccination. You know, there's those who die hard believe in it. There's those who don't. 
those that don't really don't say much about it. They just mind their own business. They chose not to get the the other side chooses to be outspoken and and he sort of put them in his place. And I like that. I absolutely love it. There are, you know, anybody uh, close to me, those there's quirks in my personality. I'm a weirdo Brett in terms of I can't stand small talk. I don't like to say good morning. I don't like to, hey, how was your weekend? You really don't want to know, and I really don't want to tell you. Uh, just get, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm that get type with of you. weirdo. Yes. <laughs> get to the point. Uh, and, and, and it's off-putting. And I'm someone, and particularly as I've gotten older, uh, but it, it's always been this way in terms of like, I, I can be a bit socially awkward in terms of like, I really like to hang out with myself and a small, small group of people. Everybody else, eh. <laughs> new <Yeah>. people, eh. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm good hanging out with myself and I got these friends from college that you know I like hanging out with, you know, my best friend from high school I like hanging out with and some family. I just, I, I, and I just think for athletes who make all this money and it's all talked about how much money they make, I don't blame a guy like Aaron Rodgers for putting up walls. You know, you just don't know who to trust. No, and he's, that's one thing that I, I left out. I think his, his circle of friends uh, is very tight, very small, and that's a big thing to him. It should be a big thing to everybody, you know, especially in, in the pro football, pro, you know, athletes making tons of money, celebrities, because those are more of a target than, than others. And he is keen on who he lets in and who he doesn't let in, which is a good thing. So, I'm wondering, part of what's happened with Aaron is like why you probably didn't see it coming is because particularly early in your career, the first half of your career, and maybe all the way through the end, uh, we were less political. And so right. athletes, right. there was no expectation of them to talk about anything beyond what was happening on the field and football related. And, and now everything's been so politicized you got to have a position on the vax, and if you want to keep your personal medical information private, uh, the media gets all upset if you're not on board with whatever talking points. And, and so I'm, I, maybe Aaron has just been pushed into this position that, that where he has to stand his ground, and he's got the backbone uh, and the thick skin to handle it. I, I'm wondering how, how you if you were a star in the NFL, let's say at age 35 going on right now, how would you handle just how political things have turned in sports? Uh, could you see yourself getting in the same position that Aaron Rodgers has gotten himself into? Probably so, maybe a little bit different circumstances. I, I, I think one way that I would I would be caught up in the in the fray would be with the vaccine. I, I, I didn't get the vaccine, 
I wasn't playing football when this all took place. I could, you know, I could ride off into the sunset and mind my own business. But had I been playing, it's a different story. Kirk Cousins caught a lot of grief and for the most part was try they tried to cancel him, but his job kept him, you know, kept him afloat. Same for the Aaron Rodgers. You know, you could easily say, we're not going, we're going to make him, we're going to cancel him in regards to everything he endorses. And I don't know what Aaron endorses or not. Kirk Cousins, same thing. They don't need to endorse anything with the money they're making. But they couldn't cancel him off the football team, if that makes sense. So they still had a, you know, a, a powerful platform. Whether you liked it or not, they were still the quarterback for their team. Uh, and, and Aaron, yeah, he got hurt, but he still, he still got the team behind him. And so you can't cancel him. You can try. But I think in my case, I would be outspoken uh, if, if put into a position where, you know, they'll backed into a corner and you have to either fight or give up. I would have fought. I definitely would have fought. Uh, not that I want to, but I think part of the problem is with one side or the other is one side is a little less vocal and another side is too vocal, if, that, if you know what I mean. And I think the less vocal side needs to speak up a little bit about what you believe in and what you stand for. That's not, I'm not saying fight. I'm not saying shoot and stab. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying stand and, and voice what you, you believe in and stand for. So I, I think I would have been not... Not that I necessarily wanted to, but I think I'd have been backed into a corner and would have had to speak out. Is that <clears throat> probably why, again, you have not backed away from Donald Trump? And, and I know you're out of football, but there is a price for not backing away from Donald Trump. And, and you probably just feel like, hey, I, I got no choice here. I'm not going to be a coward. I'm not going to lie. And, you know, things seem so perilous in this country that, you know, I don't respect the guys that sit up and tell lies and, and, and pretend like Donald Trump is the worst human in the planet. But, but to some degree, you've had to make the same choice as Aaron Rodgers, even in retirement. And it's, pro it's cost some of your popularity to stand your ground as it relates to Donald Trump. Yeah, and and so be it. You know, if that's what it is, it, it is what it is. And I've said this all along. I think Donald Trump did a really good job for our country, really good job. Do I think he is perfect? I think he's a, a great leader. Do I find anything that I don't like? You could find that with anybody you've come across, friends, family. I mean, he is not perfect. I'm not saying that, but I think he did the best job based on results uh, in, in, in quite some time. And I think we're in turmoil now. And uh, I think he can right the ship. Now, I'm not voting for necessarily a guy. I'm voting for a way of life. 
And to me, he gives us the best. And I look, I like Christy Nome. I like Tim Scott. Uh, I like Ron DeSantis. Uh, there, there's. Don't say Nikki Haley or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to boot you off the show. But go I ahead. don't know enough about her. You know, I, I don't know enough about her. And I don't really study it. And, uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not in I'm it. Like, but uh, those those people, I think any one of them would be good leaders for us uh, or the combination of those two. And if people, you know, if you if you like Gavin Newsom or you like Biden, more power to you. I don't hate you. I, I, I scratch my head, but I don't hate you. I'm not like canceling you i it is it's you're free to do what you want but the other side is like oh my god you like donald trump i mean you're the worst person in the world you know that's that's a big part of the problem you can't agree to disagree uh brett i'm gonna ask you one last question i'm gonna let you get out of here uh, do you have any thoughts on Jameis Winston and the victory formation and running for that touchdown? Uh, you know, Jameis had quite, it was a team decision uh, that left I don't know the what the hell to think about it, Jason. Um, <laughs> if, if Jameis did that on his own, then that's, that's really bad. If Dennis Allen told him to do it, that's even worse. There was no absolute no reason to do that. Uh, and in a sportsmanship, you know, perspective, that is the absolute worst that you could do. There's, it's, I, I don't know what to say. Uh, it was, I was shocked. That, one saying one thing, one saying the other. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think Jameis just did it on his own? I think he and his teammates did, but what's really wrong about this situation is the, the, the uh, opposing team, the, the Atlanta Falcons, they were confused and asked, like, y'all doing victory or what? And there's an understanding among football players, competitors, like, we do victory. I'm not going to come off the ball. I'm not going to hurt and so they could have hurt someone on the Falcons. The, the guy's not prepared to protect himself because he thinks you're in victory formation. And, and you've broken this gentleman's agreement that, like, all right, we're, we're not going to try to destroy each other. You set that standard, and now the opposition says, well, we can't trust Jameis wow. and the Saints, and so we're going to play hard on victory formation. There's some real repercussions to this that I think some people – just want to laugh it off and think, hey, we got Jamal Williams a touchdown. But that's how you get someone hurt. And I don't yeah. think Jameis has thought that through. No, because if had Dennis Allen told me to do it, I, I wouldn't have done it. I would have just knelt on it. I mean, wh why? Why do it? It's only going to come back to haunt you. Maybe not this year, but next year. Brett? Uh, thank you so much. Uh, it's getting cold here in Tennessee. It's probably a little warmer yeah. in Mississippi. Uh, but uh, how, how, how was, was your great weekend, start to your Jason? Uh, it was awesome. Uh, it was awesome, and my holiday season was awesome. 
Oh. oh. <laughs> and I went for it. Small oh, talk. Oh, man, that was small talk. Small talk. Yeah, you got me. You got it. Here I am being respectful. I can't stand small talk. That's good, Brett. Thank you. You just yeah. put a clown suit on. I got to keep you on your toes, Jason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, good morning and uh, good night. Uh, <laughs> all right, that's Brett Favre. Uh, we got some Tennessee Harmony, I believe. Now, I hope it's Tennessee Harmony. Next. Owen Carey, previously on Fearless. And so 215 rolls around, get in the elevator, go up to the fourth floor, which is where all the coaches have their offices. And Coach Hart meets me. He says, hey, we're going to Prime's office. So we walk in to Dion's little space. And Cordell Stewart, he's a former quarterback for the Steelers and for Colorado, is sitting on the right. Dion's in the middle. And Coach Hart sits down on the left. And I sit right here across from them. And Coach Hart looks me in the eye and he says, hey, Owen, you're a heck of a player. You're a really smart kid. One of the smartest I've ever coached, but we have to let you go. All right, welcome back. Time for a little Tennessee Harmony. Uh, we missed it last week. We will not miss it this week. Uh, Happy New Year, uh, Anthony and Virgil. Uh, I hope your new year is off to a great start. Mine certainly is. Uh, I've, I've got a fantastic conversation uh, for us today. Anthony, if you could get us rolling uh, with a prayer, let's get into it. Father God, we thank you for this day and we thank you for bringing us to a new year. Uh, help us in our mindset of focusing on growth and, and just being better uh, each and every day. We thank you for these conversations and we pray they're beneficial. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. So, guys, uh, last week, somewhat this week, Cat Williams is still uh, dominating the conversation mm -hmm. around the Internet and around uh, the media. And just everybody's talking about Cat Williams interview uh, with Shannon Sharp. I, I wanted to get a biblical take uh, from Anthony and Virgil on it. Cat Williams said a lot of interesting things. One of the things he said, I'll play this clip just to get us rolling, but it, it, your responses don't have to be limited to just this. I just want you all's thoughts on what you thought about Cat Williams. But here's one of the things he said early in the interview that caught my attention. Race is not where the line is drawn. It's God's side and the other side. And we don't care nothing about the other side. Period. Period. All of these uh, big deviance is all catching hell in 2024. It's up for all of them. It don't matter if you Diddy or whoever you is. T.G. Jakes, any of them. The, every, all lies will be exposed. That's all. And, and, and anyone who takes that the wrong way know why they take it the wrong way. So He said a mouthful there because T.D. Jakes has obviously been involved in some controversy over the last month or so about his connections to uh, P. Diddy. Uh, but anyway, I, I don't, it's two and a half hours. I've watched all of it. I'm not sure if you guys watched two all of it. Two hours and 47 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but what I 
one thing I find interesting, again, this goes back to Charleston White. Charleston White, now a comedian. These guys are driving a lot of discussion, uh, particularly among African Americans, and, and it's somewhat is disconcerting because obviously, virtually everything that comes out of Charleston White's mouth is profane, mm-hmm. and there's, I thought Cat Williams was far less profane, but there is some profanity, there's some N-word, and there's, these guys are driving the conversation. Anyway, let me shut up. <laughs> Anthony, you get us rolling. Your takeaway, your thoughts. Um, I think he's in a unique space because of his self-ownership of his comedy. Uh, so that enables you to not have to worry about your handlers because he is his handler. So there, he's not going to be canceled. His show is not going to be canceled because he owns his own stuff. So that that promotes him being able to talk as he did. Um, I'll give in general, and you may want to come back to that clip, but just in general, he's he's funny, he's all this. But I do think that he was fueled by um, some exposure, wanting to expose those who, you know, the rest of the world loves, but he knows the undergirding. He knows what they've done. And uh, as he's talking about trying to expose some lies, what I think about that little piece in that is Cat is not a prophet. so. There's nothing strategic about 2024 or biblical about 2024 that means lies are coming out. But I do think in connection with, you know, Epstein and with connection with some of the other stuff in Hollywood that's turning, you may see more of that in 2024. But it's not like it was something aligned by the heavens. Hold up, Virgil, before you jump in, I want to ask Anthony a follow up question. And, And Virgil, you start here with this follow up question, then say whatever you want. Uh. There's something, though, that I think Cat Williams is recognizing or tapped into that, like, people's minds are ready for a different conversation. And perhaps they're ready for a truth about celebrities that we all have thought one thing about, all have liked and to some degree allowed to influence us. And there is something going on, particularly... It's happening in all of culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're ready for a different conversation about celebrities, and he jumped on that. Right. I, but I, I've seen that, at least in my sphere, I, I've seen that for the last five, ten years. I've mm-hmm. seen that, especially with the younger generation. They're wanting something authentic. They're wanting something that's real because they've seen celebrity. They've seen all of this. And everybody's fascinated by it but they're really wanting authentic. That's one of the challenges that makes ministry interesting because they've also got an opportunity to see some of the falsity and some of the lies in religion. So when they come, they're already coming with a skepticism like, okay. And so anything that seems to be very authentic right now, but I would say for the last five, 10 years, that's been, and maybe this is the pinnacle that is reaching the masses, but I've seen the groundswell of this uh, for the last five or 10 years. Virgil. Yeah, I, I would agree. Kind of leaping off of that point. Um, it, I don't think there's anything unique about 2024 that's going to be more truth telling or truth revealing than any other, you know, any other year. I do think it was obvious that that cat, if you watch the uh, the whole interview from the jump, he came you know, guns blazing, armed for bear and was and was ready to go. And he had a lot to get off of his chest. And so he was willing to share that he's in that unique position. Again, I, I, I you know, at the, at the risk of 
sounding like like Pastor Anthony there. I, I think he, he's in the unique position of of being behind the scenes at some of the highest levels in an area that that a lot of, of black folks respect uh, comedians um, and, and, and the like. And so he's you know, he's, he's listening to what's happening and he was ready to kind of share what he shared. I, I immediately thought when I heard him speak. Uh, about a proverb, I think it's Proverbs 18, uh, that, that talks about, you know, the first person to tell a story always seems right until the person who comes behind him tells that tells the, the rest of the story. And whether, whether you see Cat Williams as the first person telling the story or whether you see him as the second person because somebody else was on the show, I think what we're getting in this process is there's, there's, there's truth from his perspective, from Cat's perspective, and there's another version of the story from someone else's perspective. And, and usually when you have two kind of people opposing one another on a particular subject matter, somewhere in between all of that, you're going to identify what's actually really real. I, I, I want to be careful in saying uh, in calling what Kat did truth, because it's, it's really, hey, here's my perspective. Here's the other person's perspective. And somewhere in the middle of that, we figure out what's what's actually accurate and, and correct. Most of what he shared as it related to his area of expertise, which is the comedy arena and and the people who are involved and some of the things that they did at the end of the day, they don't have eternal significance. Um, and, and so while, you know, while I think everyone is ex- excited about it, everybody's is interested in hearing something salacious about a celebrity uh, at the end of the mm-hmm. day, you know, it, it, it is what it is. It's, it's there. It's for your entertainment. It's for entertainment purposes only. And I think we walk away from that kind of recognizing uh, how human beings interact with one another as sinful uh, human beings uh, dealing with in, in whatever area or arena that we're involved in. I, I agree with you. And I'll, I'll stop here, uh, Jason. I, I agree there's some things to capture because of the fact that so many people in such a broad audience would give ear to what Cat Williams would say. Whereas I, I guarantee you, Pastor Anthony speaking truth at his church and in his arena, you know, we're doing it on this show. Jason, you're doing it here. You know, our audience isn't as broad. You, you, I mean, you, you're sharing some, some highlighting things, you're highlighting some things that are, that are really uh, powerful to think through. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't wanna list those right now, but just simply th- that truth is happening in a lot of spaces. He's in a position, exposed to a lot of people to say it and have a lot of ears. And the, and the platform was right. The time was right. Uh, I think we take it for what it is and step back. I, I, I'm, I wasn't prepared to think this, but just listening to y'all talk, it made me think of, I believe, the 2020 sermon uh, from uh, Tony Evans. God is shaking things up. Mm-hmm. And he, he was talking about COVID and he was talking about, uh, I believe, I'm, I'm, it's been probably a year since I've watched the sermon, but he, he was talking about all the things going on in society that he felt like God was humbling us. Uh, he was going to make us uh, have to realize that He's the only way. It's it, again. It's one of the great sermons I've ever seen. He gave it at NRB National Radio broadcast something or other. But it was God is shaking things up, and 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 that's in a different area. Tony wasn't talking about this, but it's like this whole social media thing. And this is just me thinking out loud. Once you you guys are smart, we'll just want you to respond to this whole social media thing that has overtaken 
culture since I think Twitter started in 2006. It's given us more direct access to all of these celebrities mm -hmm. at an unprecedented level. Mm -hmm. And celebrities have loved it. It's yeah. been great. We can make money and we're influencers. Yeah. But now I think we're about to see the true consequences. Like We've got the access now and we see these people much more clearly than we did before mm -hmm. because of social media. We, we, I'm thinking of John Legend's wife or girlfriend, Christy Teigen, that ended up like over social media exposing like, she got a thing with children. Yeah. The, the, she yeah. started tweeting yeah. and telling on this. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and I just think this social media thing is, has shaken things up to the point to where I do think like these things are stacking on top of each other and, and people are taking a new look. And to hear Cat Williams say, there's going to be God's people mm -hmm. and then there's going to be everybody else. Mm -hmm. I, I, just, I think it's profound and significant. And, and it's not that I think Cat's all that profound and significant, but, but where I will push back a little bit, Virgil, or try looking for clarity, I do think he revealed a truth. That, and it's a truth I've been arguing forever. It's like, hey man, to make it out in Hollywood, yes. you have to join a demonic, evil Cult. movement yeah. or yeah. culture or whatever. Mm -hmm. That was his overall message. And I think that is 1000% truth. And I think if you said it 10 years ago or even five years ago, people would deny it. But now it's like, yeah, let's talk about it. Well, I, you know, I'll go back to that. That for me was a duh moment, you know, and I'm, I'm speaking from, you know, nine or 10 years old. You know, when I would see these rap videos on, on you know, BET or whatnot, I have uncles that say, man, that stuff isn't real. You know, those guys are those are rented cars. That's not their stuff but they project it as theirs. And you have a whole generation that grows up thinking, wow. And, and I'll, I'll use myself as the anecdote. Maybe I'm not the, the pattern, but I, I got it. This stuff is fake. Cat's revealing it on a massive audience to let everybody know, hey, mm -hmm. this stuff is fake. You've been saying for the past decade, y'all listen, this stuff is fake. It's not real. And in order to make it in that, you've got to sign on to that. But but somebody out there wants to be, you Make know. Fake and evil are two different things, though, Anthony. That's, I think we're really? now faking. Well, you're right. <laughs> they are connected. Okay. They are Because, yeah. again, it's all disobedience to the truth. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah, right. Yeah. But I think for most people, it's like, oh, that, that's a little harmless okay. role playing. Yeah. And Cat is saying, no, this is evil. This is intended to destroy you mentally and walk you away from God. That's but see, that's that's the piece that I was hoping for in the interview. Like, where is this going to end? It's one thing just to expose. It's one thing to say, hey, guys, this is this is what it is. I'm looking to and that's where Virgil and I in our work and other ministers, that's where we try to end up with people. I you know, it's one thing to point out this is good. This is evil. This is what's going on. This is the real picture. Hollywood and mass media has this evil agenda. They're, they're pushing this. It's one thing just to say that, but now we got to deal with it. So what does that mean about life? Mm -hmm. So when Kat says there's God's side and there's the other side, I'm with him. Absolutely there is. But then he says, 
and we don't care about the other side. Now, mm. when I look at God's word, uh, that's not scriptural. God wants everybody to be saved. Now, there are those who choose evil and he gives us the free will. He's such a loving God that he says, I want you to choose me. But if you want to choose that way, that's up to you. But I really want everybody to be saved. So when we examine life to say, OK, wait a minute, there is an evil side out there. If I choose that side, what are the consequences? What does that mean for my life? What does that mean for my family? If I choose God's side, what does that mean? Him pointing it out. OK, I'll give him a sticker for that. But then we've got to follow up with that, with what does that mean practically in my everyday life? If he's not pointing us to God, ultimately, then we're just trading one voice for another voice. OK, yes. you don't want us to listen to Steve Harvey. Fine. We'll listen to Cat Williams. But what are you telling me to do ultimately? Yes. But if we're pointing to God, we're saying, hey, I'm just a messenger. You don't have to follow me for anything. Just follow God. Right. That's where I'm waiting for in the interview. I, I and Virgil hop in here, but I I I, I think because again it's like Cat Williams uh, created an opportunity for me to say, okay, uh, Virgil and Anthony they know scripture better than me, so now let me have them interpret Cat Williams and tell me where it should go. I'm crediting Cat Williams for just opening up the opportunity to have the discussion. Yeah. And for, particularly with young people that follow him, I feel like we, this show, believers, we can take the opportunity he's presented to us uh, and, and, and say, see what I've been talking about? Now let me mm -hmm. explain to you what we need to do. Uh, Virgil, hop well, in here. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna amplify the brilliant point that you just made, and so uh, with that, let me let me. There's a brilliant point that you just made, so let me let me let me unpack it. Let me let me unpack it in this way. I I think I was on the phone earlier with with uh, with Anthony. And I just said, hey, I'm so I'm 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 over it. Like you know, 34 million views of this interview. I'm like I'm 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 ready to move on. Like what's next? Like what's and the thought process behind that is is simply. What are you going to do now? Like now that we know this, now that you've been exposed, now that all of these people are are are, are nervous and you know everybody's waiting for the, the the clap back video from this one and that one and the other one, that, that's fun for a bit. But the, at the end of the day, the question is is what's next? And and I think that's kind of what what you what what you're saying. Hey, I'm looking to, to to the word. I'm looking for truth. I'm looking for what the Bible has to say so that I know exactly. How to move forward? How do we move the conversation forward? I, I agree. You credit, give credit where credit is due. Cat Williams exposed to a lot of different people and issues, unpacked it for us. But I think it's imperative that we step back from that and go, okay, what's what's next? One of the things that you mentioned, Jason, earlier is you said, um, you know, because of social media, a lot of these celebrities now we have access to. They have access to us. And that's that's unique. It's not been been that way before. And, and I agree with you. We're getting to see things up close in ways that we haven't before. I, I don't know if you watch this little Nas X nonsense that he's on a cross now and all of this really, really um, blasphemous kind of stuff that happens with 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 a lot of these <coughs> celebrities. It, it's it's an opportunity to expose the underbelly of that world. But also for us to, to bring light, the, I'll, I'll go back to the conversation that, that I had with, with Pastor Anthony. I told him I was over it. I'm, I'm just over it. 
one of the things that, that he that, that he wisely said to me is he said, you know, a lot of times, you know, if you, you've been walking with the Lord for so long, you can have a tendency to forget where you've come from. Uh, and, and that there are a lot of people that are there that for them, this instance is like, wow, never knew it. My eyes are now open. And it's imperative that guys like us identify that and connect with them to share the truth. I, you know, grateful for how God would use a, a Charleston White, you know, or a Cat Williams. But at the end of the day, we've got to point them to something else. And, and, and my, 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 uh, my encouragement is that we point to Christ and him crucified. We point to the message of the gospel. So I got to be careful here. Two people very close to me uh, reached out about the Cat Williams mm. interview. Very close to me. Almost as close as you can be to me. <laughs> so I just want to leave it at that. And their reaction was, man, Cat Williams said a lot of stuff you say. And it was the first time that uh, they've given me credit for anything that I say. <laughs> And it's like they it's like because Cat Williams said, oh, yes. now yeah. now I believe you. Yeah. And, and one of the people said, uh, uh, you know, hey, send me uh, that someone else close to me. Mm -hmm. uh, they said you did a show on Cat Williams. Hey, send that to me. Mm -hmm. I want to say because they thought it was great. Mm. And so I'm. That's where I go. These are people I love. Yeah. And and they have their struggles. Mm -hmm. Real struggles. And and it's like Cat Williams created an opportunity for them to be to talk about what we talk about on this show mm -hmm. and then start sending it around. I, I, you know, I'm not going to call one of my best friends very close to me said him and his wife watched the uh Cat Williams show that I did, and mm -hmm. they couldn't. He said they could. They were laying in bed watching, it and they couldn't sleep. And all they did was talk about it. It was like, oh my god. So that's where I say, like, I, I really like God is shaking things up, and it 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 it, it, it gives me hope that people were, were doing enough suffering, and there's going to be more, but we're doing enough suffering that people are like, man. I better turn to God because all these other options <laughs> mm -hmm. aren't any good. And so th that's why I guess I'm just saying this interview was a plus in, in my far more of a plus than Charleston White. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's not that I think, you know, Cat is a messiah or a prophet or anything like that. Uh, but I, I God is using flawed people. Yes to make people with any type of Christian seed in them, it's bringing it to the surface and making it blossom. Well, you know, looking at your social media point, there was a time where uh, celebrities were just so distant. Like the, the mm -hmm. common man could not, we couldn't know what they were thinking unless they had an interview or did some kind of major thing. We couldn't understand their day to day unless they told about it. There was no access to them, but now social media has made that. But what it also does to some degree is it humanizes them, which is a good thing. We've put them on pedestals, but now we, they've been humanized. And that for some people, 
is a great thing for them to see. It's on another level, you know, if you follow everything they do, that's another t type of, uh, you know, worship in some instance. But it has humanized them. They go through the same stuff we go through. They're tempted by the same stuff that we are. They are just like us, but just with a bigger platform. Wow. That's what that interview has done. It's exposed. But here's the thing about exposure. Again, once it comes out, now what do we do with this? Wow. Okay, is it is it exposure? And that was where you know I was looking at. Is it exposure for exposure's sake? If you look at some of the details in it, you listen to other comedians. Don uh, D.C. Curry. He tells us the backstory. Mark Curry or D.C. Curry? D.C. Curry. He tells us the backstory behind the beef between Cat and Steve Harvey. Allegedly, Cat tries to get an autograph from Steve with his son. Steve dismisses him. That's Cat. So Cat, I'm going at Steve every time I get a chance. And now here's another time to go after. Well, that kind of exposure, I mean, what is that? That's vengeance based. God says vengeance mm -hmm. is mine. But if we're trying to say in a, in a place of humility, hey guys, all these guys you worship, they're, they're, they're telling lies just to you know, make up their story or to make up some kind of platform. The real truth is that we're all flawed and we need a savior. And that savior is Jesus Christ. We can't be saved by anyone else. As the scripture said, there's salvation in no other name except Jesus. Now we're talking about something. But if you're just telling me the salacious juice on celebrities, I mean, we've got tabloids in the grocery stores for that. Virgil, go ahead. I, I completely concur. That's the reality. At the end of the day, what are we pointing them to? Uh, you know, salacious stories are just that, right? They're salacious. It's entertaining. Uh, I, I don't. I, I'm not trying to strip entertainment value away from anyone. Uh, you know, enjoy it. But at the end of the day, my hope would be that you would look at the celebrities and recognize, to the point Anthony made, that the pedestal that we've placed them on, the worship that we've that we've given, or or, or that anyone has given them, they're not worthy of. Uh, and and two, uh, we are just as flawed as well. I mean, at the end of the day, every one of us has a Cat Williams in our lives who could get on someone else's platform and un and unpack all of our dirt. You know, and how, how would we respond to that? I think, Jason, you've demonstrated over and over again that the way to do that is to is to pull, pull, you know, pull a rug out from under them and, and do it yourself. You know, let folks know, hey, I'm a sinner. I'm flawed. That doesn't mean I, 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 I'm, I'm devoid of any courage. I'm going to say what's right. I'm going to stand on truth because the truth at the end of the day is God's truth. Uh, and I'm going to point you not to me, but to him. And so I think that at the end of the day is, is, is kind of the lesson uh, from it all. And, and my hope would be that those 32, 34 million who've watched it um, enjoy the entertainment value, step back with a mirror, examine their own lives and recognize they, too, need a savior. But OK, Virgil, but I, you guys have helped crystallize my point. I am not. Uh, concerned about the 34 million people and what they do with the content. I'm concerned about what I do with the content. Exactly. That's, that's the only person I can hold accountable. It's the only person's actions I can control. So if I take the content and use it to make biblical points, that's all I can do. And, and so I, I'm not sitting around Wonder, well, I wonder how the 32 other million people used the content or enjoyed the content. I interpreted it from a biblical perspective 
or, or what's the opportunity in it for me to advance a biblical worldview or a biblical conversation? And, and so that, that's what I, I'm hoping everybody that hears us, they, they think, well, how can I use the Cat Williams conversation to explain biblical truth? Well, there, there has to be, and, and maybe this is, you know, the minister in me, there has to be a concern about those. There's up to 40 now, 40 million people. I mean, they've, they've, they're watching it for a reason. Some are watching it for Shannon. Some are watching it for Kat. Some are watching because others told them to watch. Like it's, there's a reason that they were attracted to it. And, and I gotta be, that's the, you know, and I get, maybe we're saying some of the same stuff, but it's, I wanna make sure that they get what really happened there. Some of what he was saying is just for exposure. Um, we think back to uh, Noah. When Noah, after the flood subsides in Genesis chapter nine, Noah gets drunk. I mean, he gets sloppy, naked, drunk. Well, one of his sons comes into the house, sees him, and his first response is to run outside and say, hey, everybody, that is in there drunk. He's naked and drunk. His other two sons come in and they have a garment to their shoulders and they walk in backwards, not even trying to see to cover him. What's my point? There are some people that I just want to expose it. I have no compassion about what happens next. I have no concern about how this falls out and what it means. I just want it to be out. But then there are others that are concerned more about the soul of this situation. Wait, what's my dad going through that he's out here drinking and drunk? What does this do for his shame? What does this do? How does this you know, pan out? So I'm saying, again, I keep going back to Okay, we've exposed that they're fake. What does that mean, Kat? What does that mean for you? What does that mean for them? Is there any relationship dynamic? Are we still coming back to the cross? That's where I'm saying to those, because what'll happen, we're going too long, Jason, but what, what'll happen is people will eventually turn. Yeah, they, <laughs> well, hey, I'm good, I'm good I'm and you are. But no, what, what'll happen is it'll, it'll pervade culture. Now it is the next person wants to come. I want to tell the, right. I want to, and we just keep going, keep going, keep going. And we're getting so far away from the cross. So that's why I'm looking to those 40 million who watch and say, hey, listen, I understood you had fun, but what does that mean at the end of the day? You know, what, where, does, where does this go at the end of the day? Um, if those there are some who are watching, who are believers, et cetera, and they hear that line and they well, cat must be. nah, he said something that was interesting. But what do we say even about the other side that he's trying to expose? If these people are, you know, Hollywood is completely, totally pedophile and sex craved and all of this. There is blood for them, too. Like oh. we want them to be saved. We want them to be. So that's where I'm saying I, at the end of the day, I want it to reach out to all. But um, that's where I, I'm just the exposure. That doesn't really do it. I, I need to figure out what's happening in the end. Yeah. Final thought, because Anthony's uh, got to take his <laughs> wife to lunch. Uh, Virgil, uh, final thought and we'll be out of here. Yeah. Fi final fi final thought is, is, is this, Jason. I think I think you're right in that we've got to look at ourselves, our own lives, examine them for, for what it's worth. And as we witness others being exposed before that happens to us, we should examine our own lives to see if there's exposing that needs to be done and, and repent of it, uh, place our faith in Christ and, and walk uprightly. I, I, I do think I, when you said, you know, I, I can't control 
what what 32 or 40 million other people do. You're exactly right. But you are using your platform to shed light on the truth, you know, and, and point people in the right directions. And then you have guys like Anthony, myself and others who come on and, and talk about Christ and and point people to the solution on the other end of any exposure. And so and I said you'd have final thought, but now I'll take the final thought. But there are so many people that are in denial of the problem, that a problem even exists. It, it's, 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 and again, I can sit on this show and talk about the problems and people close to me, like, well, that's Jason. And he's, they, know, they know so much about me that they like, I don't know. I, don't, I remember when Jason used to mm. boo-boo his pants in the <laughs> second and third grade. Ain't no, you know, nah, I'm not buying it. But when Kat says it, it's like, yeah. well, oh, maybe yeah. Jason does have a tiny bit of sense. <laughs> and it's like, TJ, I was complaining about this, and TJ was like, hey, man, don't, and he was not in any way comparing me to Jesus. Where he goes, you know, Jesus had to leave his hometown. Absolutely. Because they knew too much about him, and yeah. <laughs> they just wasn't buying it. Yeah. And that, you know, familiarity sometimes, it, yeah. it, it, it was one yeah. of the most profound things that TJ helped remind me of, mm -hmm. and it made me, people in my family have no idea that like TJ made me go, Oh, I get it. Yeah. Don't let me be mad at them. I understand. I said, they know so much about me. I don't blame them. Yeah. It's like, it's like my mother knows how filthy I was. All of it. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't blame her for being skeptical because I said, it's like, how did I get here? Yeah. I, anyway. So thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> Uh, great job. Uh, cue up some harmony, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. How did we end up so divided? Stop fighting and stand tall. We used to be a nation, one united. Headed for downfall God let your light shine down What we need more than anything now Tell us Cause together we're so much stronger God let your light shine down What we need more than anything now Harmony Let's make a simple vow Let's come together now Harmony Put all your weapons down Love one another now Get to me Open up your eyes